Greetings, Mind Crafters, and welcome to another exciting episode, another Mindcraft episode. My name is Kimberly Quinn, and I am thrilled to be your hostess with the mostest today to chat about, of course, all the different ways to become the boss of your brain. And today, our topic is on hands meditation, right? So meditation via movement. You know, I'm a big fan, and certainly there's nothing wrong with you know, all the different meditations out there, the sitting ones, standing ones, lying down ones. And then we've got the movement ones like Tai Chi Cha, which I love. I've got a, a friend of mine is a master at that and she's amazing. And, you know, and then there's the naturals like the running and the skiing and everything that I know I feel far more meditative and relaxed when I'm in movement. Um, so it's tight kind of teach their own today though. We're not going to focus so much on that. That's Giovanni pushing his little bone around the room. So we're in real life time right here. So that's what that is. Okay. So, cause that, that is certainly a way to meditate and relax and hikes in the woods. Obviously I'm a big fan. Giovanni and I are both big fans, but I'm more talking about tasks, even household tasks. And this is such a good fit for a conversation for mind craft because various, you know, retreats, mental health, you know, well-being type retreats, you know, when people skate off from their, off in their busy urban professional lives from anywhere. But I think it, there's definitely a draw for the fast lane crew. And when they slow, slow it down, they go to an ashram that can be in India, that can be in Manhattan, that can be anywhere, or just a retreat that's about mindfulness. And often there are tasks assigned to people. And even if you've seen the movie, Eat, Pray, Love, which is Elizabeth Gil, you know, after Elizabeth Gilbert's book and Julia Roberts stars in that. She's really good in my opinion in that. And it they she get eventually gets to the ashram in India and, and she's assigned, you know, I forget if she's washing the floor or you know, picking the tomatoes or whatever she's doing, but there's a lot to be said when our hands are busy because our minds often really get a rest. And so my inspiration today is Sarah von Brednick. Um, and wow, I've just expanded my horizon because I just ordered some new books based on recommendations from people. And I just, oh, I'm so excited to just dive right into those. I have a couple of, of plane trips and back to back. I got to do some flying around for different things. And, and, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to having some good reads on the trip. So anyway, Sarah starts out with a shaker axiom and, and this, it doesn't say who it's just a shaker axiom. Hands to work, hearts to God. There you go. So remember her uh, Simple Abundance book. She's the author of Simple Abundance. And it's meant to be, it's a day book of comfort and joy that I read mostly in my 30s. And it's making a comeback with me in my mid-50s. Mid, no, now late event, actually, because now that I'm a fabulous 58, I think I crossed over into late 50s. But anyway, I'm thrilled to be 58. Think of the alternative. So, so when I say women, because she says women, and I don't want to misquote her. That obviously, if you're not an identifying female, this still can hold true for you, obviously. I just want to read it as she says it because I don't want to, you know, misspeak. So she starts out with saying many women, especially if they have children, simply can't find 20 uninterrupted minutes every day to meditate. Boy, is that the truth. We have five fabulous young adults who obviously were once little, and they're only a couple of years apart. And so... And I loved every second of being home, though that is true. Like, forget meditate, just even a quiet a quiet moment to sit in the bathroom by yourself is, is really different, you know, challenging. So she says, but those of us who can carve out those precious minutes to sit down and be still 
often find our minds racing on without us, definitely. The truth is that traditional meditation methods take time, practice, and discipline before they yield restorative, restorative rewards. After a few attempts in which nothing happens, many of us get discouraged and give up. That is very, very true, which, you know, brings me to the other thing when we're trying to, it goes right along with the being mindful and meditative, because when we clear our mind, you know, where the, you know, calm mind is a powerful mind, right? So when we're trying to also um, live our best life and have a lot of positive change and such like that, practice is how it happens. Pra- whatever we practice, we get good at, right? So um, this is very, very important. And the other thing I was going to say about that is involving positive change. We've been talking about, you know, you know, manifesting things and it does fit here because she's saying people give up before they see the results. Well, that also happens, um, when we've planted a seed for something and my, and my metaphor analogy or whatever is when a farmer plants a seed for some, for something, plants a corn seed, let's say, you know, he or she or they, they don't, you know, dig up the beautiful rich dirt two weeks in and say, Hey, how's the spout of the sprouts coming? You know, they just kind of have faith that it's, it's all going to come to fruition. And same thing with, you know, shifting into new habits. People often give up before they see results with weight loss or get feeling fit or whatever. We just aren't a patient group, I think is what it is. So with meditation and results from meditation and being mindful, because they're not necessarily the same, people often do give up. And that's unfortunate because it's typically right before things are about to bust through. Same thing with running. You know, you bust through that, the wall, they call it. And now all of a sudden you can run, you know, you go from, from like feeling like you're breathing through a dish towel. When you, when you push through the wall, you can literally run as many miles as you want. You probably stop more out of boredom or time than because you can't breathe or something. So that's a very good point that she makes. And then she says, because this is real life, I've tried to find in, uh, other ways to induce a meditative state, even in the midst of chaos. One of the best methods is through meditative handwork. When other people see that our hands are busy, they often give us a few moments peace before making their next request. What they don't know, and she says, and we shall never reveal, is that when our hands are busy, our minds can rest. That is so true what Sarah's saying right here. And my own personal example of this is when, I've used this before for different reasons, when our dishwasher broke, along is like literally two decades ago, but it was right in the heat of when the kids were in those ages where they could help, you know, let's say from, I don't know, from like seven to 12 in there, they could do a little something and the dishwasher broke. And so we were washing them by hand because at that time we couldn't afford to, to get another one. And then I noticed, of course, the kids booked because our kids have always been very helpful actually with with uh, doing their household tasks. Um, but my husband and I took over for a while because so the little one couldn't reach and, you know, trying to help put the forks because they can reach to help their brother or sister put the forks in there. They actually like that job, but they can't reach way up high. And so we kind of just started doing the dishes and we're alternating the two of us. And, you know, after a while, the warm water, the suds, the peace, it was so meditative and long story made a little shorter it was either seven or eight years later, we, we replaced the dishwasher. And at that point we could afford it. It wasn't about that anymore. It was about, it was so incredibly peaceful. You know, the kids would go downstairs and, um, and we would just talk and, and, uh, it really ended up being an, an enjoyable dishwashing experience. 
So then Sarah continues, remember I'm saying women, but it can be you if you're not female. The creative artistry of handicrafts has been a part of women's domestic daily round for centuries. Handwork in all its many varieties was high art for, for Victorian women. This intimate and intricate soul craft gave exquisite outward expression to countless authentic artists who were often straight-jacketed by the expectations of a rigid society. It's only in the last 30 years or so, and this book is older than that, so um, it was only about 30, in the last 30 years that was once esteemed, that was once esteemed has been demeaned, as handicrafts have been demoted from being every woman's accomplishment to the personal pursuit of a chosen few. Wow, that's really true. And at this point, it's more like 50 or 60 years ago. Um, and then she says, and I, I know the argument well, women today don't have the time for crafts the way our foremothers did. So true. Victorian women had more time on their hands because they didn't work outside the home. As far as I'm aware, Victorian women had 24 hours each day to spend, save, or save, or squander. And while they weren't commuting to a job outside their homes, they were beating rugs, washing dirty cotton diapers, cotton diapers by hand, hanging the laundry to dry in a line, cooking without electricity and refrigeration, baking from scratch, tending the sick without modern medicines, and nurturing families larger than most of us do today. I have to say, wow, because I, I can't imagine doing like a Back to the Future thing, um, and but went the other direction, how much work it was to be in that, that era, you know, even outside of all the social issues around how women were viewed and, you know, their place and all that stuff, just the actual work that said, rarely is something, as we say frequently in Minecraft is, is anything all positive or negative. It's usually somewhere in between. And one thing I have to say about that lifestyle of constantly beating rugs, washing cotton diapers, hanging laundry on the line, cooking without electricity or refrigeration. That means it's daily every day. If you can't store stuff, you're, you're getting that you're inventing the wheel every single day. And I suppose the advantage to that would be an incredible peace of mind. And obviously they had a different stresses with, I mean, think about it, the dentist, the medical, I mean, they, they had, you know, infant mortality was high. I'm not saying all that. I'm saying like just day-to-day -day regular, regular kind of stress was probably they were because you're forced to stay in the minute, right? If you're forced, if you're every day, you're inventing the wheel with every single meal, the laundry, all of it, kids, no lights, no hot water without heating it. I mean, <clears throat> it was probably significantly less anxiety, honestly, because things were simple and they were in the moment. I just had to throw that out there. The sense of time certainly speeded up. Should that, should that be sped? Anyway, I don't want to correct anybody. The sense of time certainly has speeded up in the last century, but not the amount, but not the amount of it available. In fact, Victorian women probably had less time to less time than we do. They didn't have as long as women today, and without electricity, they weren't able to blur the distinction between day and night the way we do. That's a good, very good point. She says, frankly, women have always had too much to do. Amen, sister. Oh my God, it's 2023. We're comparing things to Victorian women. And part of me thinks that the, the dynamic isn't all that different. Obviously, the, it's a whole different era with electricity and, de and technology and good medical treatment and all that stuff. But the dynamic seems fast, even though their fast was different than our fast, if that makes sense. So she said, it's just that Victorian women often coped better than we do. They realize the restorative power of rhythm, routine, 
rest, recreation, and ritual. I like that a lot. Let's say it again. It's just that Victorian women often coped better than we do. They realize the restorative power of rhythm, routine, rest, recreation, and ritual. These things are very calming. In fact, I did another episode before the holidays. I did one this year, and I think I did something similar in, in a year or two ago also because, you know, there are pros and, again, we just said there are pros and cons to most things. And tradition and routine, I guess you just have to pick the traditions and the routine that you like and that suit you, but there's there's a lot to be said. The brain loves patterns, and that can go a bad way or a good way. If it's a routine that you, that's soothing, then that can be highly beneficial to one's mental health. Let's say a hot bath routine at night, which I have personally, that's enormously, even better yet with a, with a glass of wine on the side, you know, in a, a book, bu- bubbles, everything. That is a wonderfully, it's just a great routine that really at the end of the day, I, I look forward to it. I find it enormously relaxing. I just told you about the dishes thing from years ago. And routines of having dinner together and um, with babies. Our, our our oldest daughter just had our beautiful little Isabel. And, you know, the bath routine with, with, with the baby. I remember when they're all little in the, the bath and the reading. They were all in their little jammies and fresh as a daisy from their baths and read them books. That stuff is soothing for everybody and can relieve tension. She actually just, she says that. They preserve their energy by alternating household and child care tasks with centering pastimes that provided creative fulfillment and relief from tension. And then Sarah, author of Simple, Sarah Bond-Brednick, author of Simple Abundance, really good book. I highly suggest it, especially for women because it's geared to women. You could obviously read it if you're not female, but she she's geared entirely to women, so that works for me, obviously. Um, but then she goes on here talking about, well, it doesn't matter what you're inclined to do. It doesn't matter if you feel you're creative or not, though my own personal opinion on that is we're all creative. We just have to make the time and allow it to come forth. But if you're artsy or you're not artsy, it doesn't matter. Whatever you're inclined to do, I'm talking about the about the dishes, but you might be into, you know, um, the crafty stuff is really um, soothing, though. My, my best friend from St. Mike's even built herself recently, or had it built, actually, I think, um, a craft, we call it the, the craft cave in there, that's part of her garage. Now. It's her own space. Oh, my gosh. It's just such, it's the best. And she's got... She ordered, like, it looks like a dresser, but it's made for crafts. There's all these little, little itty-bitty drawers, like, for, I don't know, stickers and tacks and paint and stuff. And it's and it's all her own color choices, and she loves the cape and the beach. So it just looks all capey and beachy, and it's, anyway, it's really nice. So you also can learn something. So whether you do needlepoint, I said, or knitting, or you like to make beautiful holiday cards. I have a friend who does that, actually, too, different friend. And um, are you just, you like to do ceramics, you like to write, but this stuff just all, uh, put, you know, decoupaging, putting photo albums together. I actually decoupaged right through when our uh, our kids were kind of in that, in that nice sweet spot there, again, like seven to 12, where it just was, you know, kind of easy. Then nobody, no, no more diapers, juice boxes, things like that. And they're not old enough to drive or have girlfriends or boyfriends. And, um, it was a good, definitely, I mean, it's all a good stage, but that one, you could actually grab a minute where you're not watching them by the electrical outlets every second, you know? And I, I, I decoupage chairs and it, oh my gosh, I get them at yard sales and pay hardly anything for them and then refinish them and do beautiful scenes, winter scenes, mountain scenes. And I really, really, 
enjoyed that and it is soothing and it's tactile because when your hands are in paint or in decoupage and your hands are like in the substancy gluey kind of stuff and it's just oh my gosh if the sensation is so relaxing never mind it's just you become you get in the flow right that's from the work of me how you sent me high but you're just not concerned about the time you're just in it and it's not for any kind of end goal like a paycheck or anything it's just purely joyful to do it and when you add in the tactile stuff like having your hands immersed in paint or gluey stuff it and you're kind of smearing it around oh my gosh it is so it is a total tension reducer and it's just so relaxing so sarah says you know because especially if you haven't you know if you don't have a hobby you're not you don't you haven't done a craft or something you can just start from scratch like why not just pick something and she says just start small just basically start something so you don't uh, even have to sign up for a class if you don't think you have the time many marvelous and reasonably priced kits are available at craft shops and through mail order the important thing is to keep trying one new thing each season until you find something you love i love that advice because the whole idea with it i think i almost want to i mean in life in general but definitely in your later years you have less time in front of you than behind you hopefully you're doing more of what you really want to do because the clock's ticking you know what i mean so if you, if it's going to be your leisure thing your fun thing make sure you'll really like it and hopefully love it and then she says whatever handicraft you choose to pursue be sure to keep your favorite project in clear view if you store your unfinished needlepoint canvas in the closet that's where it'll remain find an attractive basket to hold everything in one place so the next time you find a few minutes you don't waste them by looking for your supplies that is huge and we've talked about the 22nd rule that you know Sean Aker in his happiness advantage book you know if you cuz that's how we lose the juice for me it's the gratitude journal which is right on our window window sill or sometimes right in the coffee table next to where i write so if within 20 seconds you want to be able to find the sneakers to run find the gratitude journal to write with a pen Right? So if you want to start your needlepoint thing, you don't want to go looking for it. Do not you know, you don't want it out of sight in a closet buried someplace. So the idea of a pretty like inviting basket is a good one. And then she says, the Australian, sorry, not Australian, Austrian novelist Marie von Ebner Eschenbach wrote in 1905 that nothing is so often irretrievably missed as a daily opportunity. For many of us, the daily opportunity missed is the pursuit of pleasure. The next time the fabric of real life seems to unravel before your eyes, get busy with your hands so that your mind can serenely sort out where to pick up the next stitch. I love that. Awesome. So, meditation with on hands, tasks, crafts, whatever. This is Kimberly Quinn signing off from the absolutely frigid Northern Vermont. It's negative 9 today. Have a mindful day.